Alright, so if you guys don't participate, then I promise it's going to be awkward um, and very, very dry. So I'm hoping that you guys will speak. And if you don't, then I have a plan B, but it also requires that you speak. Um, so it's in everyone's favor that we um, pay attention. Um, the reason why I want to talk about things like freedom, uh, free will, sin, and all these wonderful things um, is because lately more than ever Christianity is being under attack. Actually religion in general um, isn't doing so hot on the global market right now. Um, and understandably so. Uh, when you look at something like ISIS um, going on or you look at signs on the picket lines against homosexuals saying that they're disgusting and going to hell. Um, like on every extremist level this is what the public is seeing from religion and so naturally they're thinking why would I want to subscribe to something like that? At the same time, when Christians are challenged, I feel that a lot of the times our answers suck. Um, or we say things that don't make sense when you say them out loud, um, and yet we keep saying it. Um, and we hide behind certain cliche punchlines that might even be true, but not for the reasons that we're saying. Um, and so it's important for us to actually know what we're talking about. Otherwise, um, we run into real severe issues. Um, so, I'm going to have a bunch of random questions. We might use these to get us started. Um, and they're all going to connect somehow, um, and hopefully through the discussion. So, and for those who like put up the Holy Resurrection, I'm sorry that I'm repetitive. So some of the stuff you might have heard before, but I want to link it in a different way because our core of Christianity comes to these things. Um, what is spiritual life? Your relationship with God. What does that mean? Um, no, uh, spending quality time with Him, reflecting, uh, meditating, and reading His Word and living by it. Okay. I would say that those are aspects of spiritual life. Okay. What is spiritual life? And when I'm resolved, if anyone gives a Sunday school answer, I'll throw something at them. Um, no, that was, it was a good answer because there are aspects of it. What, what is spiritual life? What does the very word spiritual kind of suggest? Sacramental. That's another aspect of it. Communion. That's an aspect of it. <laughs> How is something spiritual? spiritual? That's an adjective. What is the noun? Living in the spirit as opposed to the flesh. An aspect of it. <laughs> oh, an aspect of it. What is a spirit? Spirit. Very good. Okay, like that's the, that's the noun, okay? So, in the beginning, right, we have the big G, and he made man. The G. The G. Okay. What is man made out of? Dirt. He's made out of dirt. What is the dirt aspect of our, of our existence as humans? Material. Body. Okay, I'll go with that. Everything was right, but we'll just do that. So, what is the other aspect? Mind, okay. body, spirit. Uh, okay. Okay, so we know what the body is, we know the body very well. What is the soul? Is it the breath of life? No, that's the spirit. Good. What is the soul? The mind. Cut yourself real quick. No. Animals have a body and a soul. Hmm. I also have soul. Sorry? I just, so is it like, is it like free will? Does it, does, it, does it branch out like so where you choose what you want to do? So it's like uh, something else will. The inner being. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip to the, the answer is actually very simple. The soul is nothing special. The soul is basically the, the physical life of the body, um, which we associate with the blood or the circulatory system, right? That's why in the Old Testament, um, God would say to them, do not eat the animal with the blood of it, which is the soul thereof, okay? It's just kind of like that, the thing that gives it life. Because apart from that, from a soul, right, a body, like you guys said, is just dust, right? The body is just elements, um, and you can take any elements you want and set them on a table. They don't magically become alive. 
Um, but this soul is that physical life that exists in it that is common between us and all creatures. We're all, everything that is alive shares a soul, so to speak. Um, whereas the spirit is, and someone said it, Go for it. <laughs> Breath of life, which comes with what? So just God, like his, everything else is alive. So if it's just a breath of life, then we then we all have that. Did God just like go oh, and just <laughs> that was it? Just having a, a bad day. What is what is in the spirit? What comes with the spirit? Eternity. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Eternity, as in Um, no, but that's an important concept that we're going to come back to. But what what comes? What's diff, what's unique about man? Right. If we're the only ones that have this. Very good. Okay, and what is the image and likeness of God? Does that mean that we look physically like God looks? Our spirit looks like God looks. Very good. And what does that mean? So God is the great tree. Like, no. So what is, what is the image and likeness of God? Because we will talk about it physically. And it's like evolution is impossible because no, God is not an ape. When that's not even what, what image and likeness means. What does image and likeness actually mean? Like, to strive to do good. It's like, you Definitely, know. that's part of it. Get, go deeper. Go with that thought. Mm-hmm. Is it perfection? Very good. Okay, so we're created to be perfect as mm-hmm. he is. Basically, all of the attributes of God put in us. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so if, if we know what justice is, it's because God is justice, right? That's why we have a concept of justice. If we have a concept of goodness, it's because God is good. If we know how to love, it is because God is love, okay? All of those were, were put into us with an intellect, okay? I mean, we're, we're excited when an ape will smile these days, right? And we get, it makes, like, headline news. But no one is impressed that we can sit down and discuss that and make videos of it and do all of these things that are really bizarre that we could ever, looking at raw materials of the earth, ever think that we'd ever be able to do. Okay? Because the image of God is also the intellect, the creativity, the love. And we'll summarize that all as in holiness. Okay? So this is what a man is. So let's come back to the body for a second. Um, what do we suggest that people do with their bodies? That's a very vague question. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how to ask it in another way. Take care of it. Take care of it. Very good. And what does that mean? Exercise. <laughs> okay, exercise. What else? Eat right. healthy. Eat right, eat healthy. Take it to church. Okay. <laughs> church. Very good. Don't abuse it. Don't abuse it. Very good. Why? Okay, and what will happen if you do not do these things? So what? I'm just thinking of a raw physical body, like forget God for a moment. What happens if I don't take care of my body? You do, right? You become hideous, right? And you also can get diseases, right? And die. Right? If you take a knife right now and you shove it in your arm because you think that's a cool thing to do, what will happen to your arm? You will bleed out and die. Sorry? You will bleed out and die? You, you might. That's a possibility. What else is possible? You could lose your arm. You're going to have pain. What else could happen? Gangrene. Gangrene. Very good. Right? You can have infection. You can have disease. You can also just die. What else is going to happen if it heals? Scar. It's going to scar. Okay, and if something is scarred, does it look the way that it did before? Okay, so these are important concepts. So that you can all understand the body. What is spiritual life? Very good. The spirit is a very real thing. It's not a vague concept, okay? It's not something that we just say, oh, it's about my general life with God. That is definitely a part of spiritual life, right? That's part of how you keep your spirit healthy, but you actually have something in you called the spirit. And we don't ever talk about that very much. We talk about everything associated with how to live with it, how to do random things, things that we think are called Christian. But you have to understand that there is something in you that's different that needs health. Okay? Now, so there's this aspect. Now, why did God make man? We talked about this at the opening uh, 10th year anniversary. To worship him? 
Did God need to make someone to worship Him? Good. That's very important. Because when you go to somebody who knows nothing about their faith and you tell them, my God needed someone to worship Him, then your God's got an ego complex. (laughs) Sorry? Love. Good. Right? It was love. So I'm going to skip the whole lecture from last time because it will take too long. Okay? God did not need to make man. He did not need servants. He did not need slaves. He did not need worship. He did not need special ministers. He didn't need anything. If he needed any of those things, then he lacks perfection. Period. Mm-hmm. Right? If he needed anything, it means he's incomplete in and of himself and that he was dependent on something else. And that is not our God. However, he made us with love. Right? And that's why we as Christians believe that love always has a, a creation. Love always gives. Love is always outward. It should never be an inward thing. Right? Otherwise, that's just self-gratification. It's really a hidden disguise for ego, um, regardless of what it might look on the outside. So what else did he want with man? A relationship. Excellent. Okay. So he wanted us to have a relationship. Which is what the whole Bible is about, okay? The whole Bible is simply the story of that relationship between humanity and God, which we summarized a few weeks ago, and we won't do that again. So, what is spiritual life? We've got that. Now, how do I live in a relationship with that God? How? So you just pull up the spirit and become the avatar? Go into avatar state. Whereas, how do we... Is this true? What does that mean? Follow his instruction. Sorry, I just had another question because of that. (laughs) Following instructions. So then God created us to be like, okay, here's the rules. And these are what I want to follow for us to be in a relationship. Because it's a fair question. What kind of relationship is it if it's based on rules? Dictatorial? Right. A lot of people have a problem with Christianity for that very reason. That's why we need to talk about this. So then what is the basis of a relationship? And we can't pretend there's no law. Because there is a law. So how are we going to reconcile these things? What is, what is, how do I have a relationship with somebody? communicate with them. Okay, we communicate. Okay. I mean, if you look at when, when, when Christ was asked to summarize what, what the commandments were, or what are the, two, the most important commandments, like love the Lord your God with all your heart, love, love your neighbor as yourself, mm-hmm. which is kind of the summary of the commandments. Because you, if you love somebody, you wouldn't steal from them, you wouldn't murder them, you wouldn't lie to them, you wouldn't so on and so forth. So, yeah, while the law is important, it's kind of like the law is summed up in love. Good. And I'll play devil's advocate. Um, advocate, sorry. Um, that's really nice, but you also have a billion rules. You don't club, you don't date, no gays, no this, no that, no blah, 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 blah. So, like, that doesn't sound like, like, love's a really cool word, but it doesn't sound like that's the thing. So, so how do you explain to me your relationship to him if you've got all of these rules? like much like a friendship or like a relationship with your parents that's how you should see God like just you're you're his child mm-hmm. and it's like a father but you hold signs up on the street that say if you do this you go to hell so I can't have that relationship with my friend if my friend tells me this this and this and this off with your head then how do we deal with that I think to have a relationship you have to have an understanding Okay, of what? <laughs> You're right. Of, of the other side. Of the other, like, God has an understanding of man, and man has to have an understanding of God. What did we say man was made out of? And he was made in the... This is your answer. Because you're created to be something. Okay? So if we wanted, nobody got together one time and said, let us take wood and make slabs, period, (laughs) right? And then they went home and they were excited that they cut pieces of wood and felt accomplished, right? Why did they make slabs? They made it for tables, they made it for flooring, they made other things, right? Um, We use the example at the 10th year of a microphone, right? 
Microphone is made to what? Hold gun. Amplify. Amplify sound. Hold go, right? Whereas I can take a microphone and shove stuff on it and I can change the meaning of it, okay? What a Christian is trying to be is what he was made to be. That is what we're trying to be. So spiritual life is not about a, a random ideal. It is returning to who I'm supposed to be. Okay? And so what we need to understand is just like with the body, you guys talked about injury, we talked about health, we talked about overeating, we talked about all these kind of things that can harm the body. That's what we need to worry about when it comes to the spirit. Is that the spirit also has things that harm it. The spirit has things that can bring it down, it has things that can injure it, there are things that can kill it. There are things that if left untreated can become a problem. That's what we have a spiritual guide for, right? Is, is for this person who's training you. Just like when you're sick, you go to a physician. And you go into the physician and you ask for something to help you. Sometimes there's a medicine, sometimes there's not. Sometimes there's exercises to do. Sometimes he's going to send you to physiotherapy or physical therapy here in America, whatever it's called. Um, but you have different aspects of your health that are important. That's the same thing with the spirit. So, what is sin? Separation. I hate that answer. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Diseases of the spirit. Very good. And what is what is the ultimate? Like, if you could simplify sin, because I'm going to ask you something. Not. Is God everywhere? No. Yes. No. No. Okay. All right. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to pounce. God <laughs> if God is everywhere and God fills all, and the Bible even says, "If I go to the pits of hell, still you are there. Where can I run from you? How could I physically ever be separated from God?" I understand the meaning of what they mean when they say that. But you have to be thinking about what that means if you're going to make a statement like that. Because it's a very scary statement. Because it means that there's a place where God is non-existent and that is not true. What is sin? Missing the mark. Perfect. What does that mean? Elaborate. Okay, if, God, well, if God is perfection mm -hmm. and he has I mean, absolute perfection and we're made in, in His image and likeness, it's us failing to be in His image and likeness because there are things that are preventing us from being like God. Perfect. Okay? Sin is simply missing the mark. You can picture a bullseye. Okay? That target right in the middle is perfection. Falling anywhere outside the bullseye is falling short of it. You can fall really short. You can get really close. All of them lack perfection. The goal is perfection. Okay? We'll not talk about the blame issue because that can come later because Christians get very hung up on guilt and blame and all of that. Actually, let's put that. Um, what's guilt for? Um, and so if you can think to your normal health, right, you might be forced to be exposed to pollution. Was that your choice? But it falls short of perfect health, right? But are we going to blame somebody for that? But it can still affect your health, the fact that you're in an environment that affects you. Right? You have to make the best choices possible to achieve health. Okay? So that's what's important. Now, if God wants us to love Him, and we're trying to be this because it's who we are, then what does my relationship have to be based on? Love. Love. And what is in the most necessary component for somebody to have love? Forgiveness. No. That's a great example of love. Giving up everything? Partially. Why? Do you have to? No. No. So if you don't have to, then what is this component? What is the topic about? Okay. This is the most important aspect of our Christian life, is your free will. And it's a very vaguely understood concept because we throw around, inshallah, like it's water and candy to people. Okay? What does, why is free will absolutely essential? Because of... We didn't have free will, we really wouldn't be loved. Because it would be like we'd be forced to worship or love God. Precisely. Okay? So without a free will, there's absolutely nothing 
that I can say that I did because I love somebody. Then this whole premise of God making me in love isn't really true. Because I'm just saying, well, I kind of have to because you said a law that I have to love you back, right? This is like the parents who like, instead of building a relationship, it's like, okay, here's the rule book. So free will is an extreme gift. Because with free will, as Christians, you need to understand something very clearly. It is all or nothing. God gives us more freedom than we give ourselves. Because God says, you can end your life if you choose. Most of us, we have laws against that, right? To aid and abet suicide is like is a criminal offense. But God says you can even do that. He'll say, I made you and you are allowed to not believe in me. And I'm not going to jump in and chop off your head for it. Everything is a complete free will offering. And if we don't do that, then it's not love. And that's why the Desert Fathers tell us that spiritual life has three levels. Okay? The bottom two are not perfection, but they say they'll save some people. Okay? Level three, the bottom level is, I do good because I'm afraid of hell. And that's the worst, they think that's the, the lowest level which most of us are often in, okay? But that's what Christianity is infamous for, right? This is what the media is all over. Well, if you're going to be nice to people because you're petrified of going to hell, well, I'll be nice for the sake of being nice because I'm a little above you. And to some extent, they're right. Um, that's the bottom level. Level two is I'm going to do good because I want to go to heaven, right? It's the, that's the, so the, the bottom level they call the relationship of a slave, Right, which is not what God is looking for. That's why God says, I don't call you servants. I call you brothers. Right? Level two is the hired helper, the hired hand, um, where you do good for pay. And even that is imperfection, and it's not what God calls for. Level, the highest level is, I do this because I love. That's where St. John comes in and says that perfect love casts out fear. Because a perfect love has nothing to do with reward and punishment. You're not doing that anymore. There's no motivation here based on a reward or punishment. It's an expression of love. And this is what earthly relationships are supposed to resemble. This is why parents are supposed to resemble a parenting relationship of God to his children. Right? Lovers are supposed to be the same relationship as man to God. That's why Song of Songs, which people call pornographic in the Bible, is in there. Because our relationship with God is supposed to be romantic. It's not, romance was, was made by God. It's nothing to be disgusted by. Because it's supposed to be this constant back and forth of someone who cares for somebody. And if you think about the things that God did, and you meditate on those things, that's what the Bible's for, then you can come to have a mutual love relationship. That's where in spiritual life we can talk about um, your relationship with God, your Bible reading, your liturgy, your Eucharist, all those things that you guys said, said are aspects of spiritual life because they are our encounters with God, right? It's how we get to know Him, it's how we communicate, it's how we build a relationship, and that's why there are thousands of topics in that category for how we can build our spiritual life. So, I said, what is sin? What is spiritual life? Um, what is the law then? If we're saying everything is love. What is law? What is the law for? Why? Why was there a law? The Old Testament: Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. So is the the old covenant before we had the Spirit of God written on the flesh, or you know, on, on the Spirit in the heart. Before we were essentially before the Pentecost, and we had the Spirit of God within us. Essentially, we have to be told how to love and how not to hurt ourselves or others. This is good. Very good. I'm going to challenge it a bit, but you're right. Um, Christ said, you have heard how it was told you, do not do this, this, and this. But I tell you, and it's always harder than the old law. So then how would you explain that? Well, it's kind of like your, your element. It's like the reward and punishment thing. And then now you're saying it's love, which is like adopted, which is like all-consuming. It's like, and I think that's why it says the yoke is easy and the burden is light, because even though it's a deeper form of love, or I'm giving even more than what the law says, it's out of love instead of out of dictatorial, like a, a dictatorship. This is true. It's not entirely answering what I want, but it's all true. But what happened to man? Mm -hmm. 
Man fell, right? By man, sin entered into the world and death took dominion over man. Okay? What happened is that we were made for perfect health. Body, soul, and spirit. That was the intention. There was never supposed to be sorrow or pain or anything like that. When we fell, we introduced disease, which was the analogy used earlier, the diseases of the spirit. Right? That's what sin is. Right? It's, it's like taking the knife and shoving it in your body and doing that kind of thing. That's what sin did to the spirit. And we said that what happens when you keep on cutting yourself up, you get scars, right? But who were we created to look like? God. Okay? So the law was because when this happened, we lost our identity. Okay? We lost who we were as sons of God. Not, not physically, right? But as knowledge. We lost what we looked like. Our spirit was constantly just being, darts were being thrown at it. Right? We were forgetting more and more and more what we were created to be, look like and we were built for. If you want to read a lot about this on the Incarnation by St. Athanasius is the authority till this day on this topic. So, we lost this image. The law was to remind man, it was the tutor, okay? It was this golden line, the ruler, that says, this is what you were supposed to be. Even though you're falling short, even though you're falling short, this is the reminder what you're supposed to be. The perfection of the law is love, what John was saying. So just missing one piece, absolutely. So that's what the law was for. The law was not there just for the sake of having random rules. The law was there to remind us of who we're supposed to be. And so if that is what we understand, then that is what Christian living is supposed to be about. This is why we don't do certain things. This is why when, when atheists come at us and like, why should the 2,000 year old book tell me how to behave? Um, it's not about how old the book is. It's about what is my identity and who am I trying to be? And so there are concepts that don't change, like purity, like all these things that God is the perfection of that I was created to be. That is why we do what we do. It is not because it's just a nice moral to have. Because often Christianity, even by Christians, is reduced to be a moral system. If you reduce our religion to a moral system, then your system sucks. There are way better systems than that. It only matters the system to be good because the God behind it is real. And our goal is the God. Our goal is not the morals. The morals bring us closer to that God. But they're not our goal and objective. If we live our lives just to say, oh, I'm, I'm alive because I just want to be more uh, loving. I'm alive because I want to be so generous. That's nice. Everybody can be generous. In fact, many people are. There are very good atheist philanthropists. So like, if it's about actions, um, then who cares what you believe? Really, at the end of the day. If it's a list of tasks, then anybody can do them. But we don't believe that because we do have a belief that all this other stuff is real. And if all this other stuff is real, then I have purpose. And that's something that we need to remember all the time, is who am I and what is my existence and what it is for. So our purpose and our goal is union with him, to be renewed in my normal, my original estate, okay, who I was made to be. And if that's the case, what is confession and what is spiritual growth? Very good. Elaborate on that because there's a usual Sunday school answer that is correct on what confession is that you haven't said that I want to come out and it's right. It's just incomplete. Repentance. Okay. What does that mean? To repent from your sins and not doing that. Acknowledging your sin. Okay. I guess going back to the analogy of having a, like the spirit body that you're sticking an iPad and getting a, a scar on, I guess it would be like going to the plastic surgeon to remove the scar, to remove the sin, to wipe it away clean. Good. Alright, I'm going to combine all of it, right? Because we're all about confession washes away your sins, what can make me white as snow, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Um, all that kind of stuff is nice, and it's true, okay? But... Do you think God doesn't know what you did? Like that you, you need to come to him and be like, by the way, like I did this and this and this because he was totally oblivious to it. 
it's because we're going to the physician. Okay? So one aspect of confession is the absolution, and that's very important. It is very important. And it's important because Christ himself established it, not the random institution um, that decided that this was a cool way to control people. It's not. Um, in fact, most of us don't like it, including the priests, until we know what it's for. So part of it is the absolution. The other part is the therapy. Okay? The repentance is not just about feeling miserable. Right? If we're going to walk around life just like, oh, woe is me, I am a sinner. Um, if that's your way to love God, that's okay. But it has to be driven by the love of God. But God is definitely not asking for that. Okay? That's why it says rejoice in the Lord always. Not for everybody to walk around with tears coming down their face, um, being like, I suck, I suck, everything about me sucks. Right? If that's your life, then that, like, this is a very miserable life that most of us won't be interested in having. And yet this is sometimes what we teach people, right? Go home and weep and lament and mourn. And so there is a time for that, right? It is important for us to know who we are before God, okay? But anybody who's actually done that from the heart out of love is always greeted by the embrace of Christ, right? That lifts the person up and gives them joy. So that just like in our normal loving relationships with human beings, we sometimes do have guilt. Does God want us to have guilt? Trick question. He wants us to have the right amount of guilt. No. That's a good answer though. Godly guilt? <laughs> which, which produces repentance I don't know if he's looking for that but that wouldn't be a bad thing to have uh, I'm going to say no but he wants us to realize what we did is wrong and come back from it and feel like I don't want to say guilt but like feel kind of like bad that we did it okay. but not doing it what are we in again We can't look at anything in spiritual life outside of the concept of relationship, okay? Everything is in there. There's no independent stuff, all right? If I am really good friends with John, okay, and I promised John something and I don't do it, how will I feel? How will I feel if I backstab John and tell the whole world how disgusting I think he is and blah, 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 blah? It's kind of rude. Let's all bring it out about John. Why am I feeling this way? Why would I feel badly? It, I'm only going to feel badly if what? You're not loving. Exactly. Okay? If I love someone, I feel guilty. Not because the other person's saying, you need to feel guilty. Right? <laughs> it's because I care that I feel guilty. So God doesn't require it. Guilt can be healthy as long as it is a response of love. But we don't build relationships on guilt. Right? If that's a relationship here in the world based on guilt, we would be like, dude, this is the worst relationship ever. Like, you need to stop. Right? Like, you don't love this person just because you feel nasty all the time. Right? This is why so many people who have lived in the Christian faith based on guilt have left. And they feel really good when they go. Because they were not actually ever in a relationship. And then they think they've had a spiritual life, but they never did. They had a guilt relationship. They had a slave relationship. And when they left and they could do whatever they want without the feeling of someone over the shoulder being like, you sinner. Right? They're having a good time. And who can blame them? That's going to be a very natural response. But if we don't understand our relationship, we're never going to reach that point. We're only going to feel the guilt and the nastiness. Whereas, like, for me in the world, it wasn't a big challenge not to do certain things because I knew I wasn't doing it. Did I sometimes want to? Yes. Right? In the same way that some of us want to bungee jump and we know it might not be the safest thing. Right? But... It doesn't mean we don't have desires. It doesn't mean we don't have certain things that we want to do. I'm not saying bungee jumping is wrong. Um, but just that it's easier to deal with things and not feel so terrible about it when you have a reason for it. A person who's in love with his wife is not going to be like, man, I wanted to go like, watch the game on Thursday, but it's our anniversary. That sucks. Um, and then sit there on a Thursday night really angry that he didn't get to go to the game um, because he's stuck with his wife, right? That's a crummy relationship. But you're able to not care about the game because your love for your wife is greater. That's where we're supposed to be coming from. So 
guilt is fine if it comes from the right source. So, the last aspect that we're going to talk about quickly, because it's the other thing that drives me nuts lately, is what does it mean to say God willing? What is God's will? And is that just a cop-up for everything? <laughs> Not Egyptian culture when it means no. In, 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 in the actual meaning of the, of the words God willing. If he permits, like, if, if you know, yeah, your will, you're going to make it happen. But Okay, so then does God make everything happen? We do. Then why are you saying if God wills? You're doing it. It's meant to be a dilemma because we don't we don't think about it. Isn't it because like God knows everything, so He like He gives us free will, but He knows like what choice like it. Does God's foreknowledge mean that He does it, or does He just know it? He just knows it. Okay, so then how does His foreknowledge have anything to do with it, if God wills? I think God willing meaning, um, I'm going to take a stab at this, okay? Yes. <laughs> you praying and allowing, allowing God sort of directing you, it's not, it's not much Him doing it, it's you allowing, you know. Okay, that's why I have, why do we pray on here as well? So, like, I'm like, glad you came to that. <laughs> but if you say, like, God willing, I'll be there, and then you're on your way, and then heaven forbid, like, Something happens and you can't make it. You're right. Okay, let's look at this Maynard case, right? I was looking at one of the articles online today, and there's like literally when I left it, 4,311 comments running. <laughs> and among them are people taking stabs at Christians being like, because some Christians got on saying, no, she should have stayed and we could have prayed and maybe there would have been a miracle. And so those are being like, really? Like, that's why, like, she should have kept on going, because, you know, if the Lord will, there'd be a miracle. And for that reason, she should have kept, kept her life. Or how about um, the radio, because I can hear, like, the sarcasm, the voice of the interviewers, um, that group in Africa that kidnapped 200 girls, um, Boko Haram, or Boko Haram, I don't know how to pronounce it, um, where they're interviewing ministers, and they're like, yep, yep, we're praying, we're praying and we're sure that God is going to bring these girls home. And then it was announced this week, for example, that um, the girls have converted to Islam and have been married off. So we have no idea where the 200 are. What does that mean then about God's will? He allows stuff to happen. What does that mean? So I, I think God's will is perfect. But God does not exert His will, and we're in a fallen state, so we exert our will. And our will is what brings pain and suffering and these things into existence. Okay. Ultimately, God is sovereign and will reconcile, or has reconciled humanity to Christ and will eventually come again. But in the meantime, we're subject to the consequences of our choices. I feel like you can't say, like, God willing and then, like, wait for what you expect to happen to happen. This is also true, Amen. Um, <laughs> I want to start from what John said, because it's excellent, okay? Um, it's missing only one aspect. Like, it's all right. But what did we say about free will at the beginning? This is absolute, okay? This free will is absolute. And so we don't, we have to really confront ourselves as a Christian. Do we believe in a God who's playing chess or not? Because we say things that sometimes mean we do. And I use it, I pick on this expression all the time. Again, I know what people mean by it, but it sounds really bad if you stop and think about it. God takes people at their best time. What does that mean? Does that mean that the guy who died high, that God took him? And if we're saying words that God took him, does that mean that God killed him? Because if it does, then we don't believe in free will. I know what the intention of, of, of this, this saying is, and it's a good one. Like, I'm not against people using it and banning it. But if we're going to say it, we better understand what it means. Because to most people, if they're going to stop and think about it, they're going to come to that conclusion. Of like, okay, God took him. Um, so clearly it was his best time. Thank God. But if that's true, okay. Sorry? Everyone ends up going to heaven then. Precisely. And a youth after the death of that young youth, Kareem, 
when youth came and asked me, saying, oh, God takes us, because everyone is repeating it in the sermons. God takes us at our best time, God takes us. So a youth came up saying, oh, God takes us at our best time. Then why is it so hard? Like, why even bother? He's just going to take me at the best time. See you later, folks. Right? Like, and I'm going up to heaven. So we have to understand free will. And free will comes in the context of this fall. Just like you said, we are in a fallen state. Our goal is to live as that first estate. However, we are and do fall short. So, for example, if a woman does drugs while she's pregnant with her child, the child is most likely going to be born with deformities and low birth weight, etc., and the child will be born like almost 100% sure with addiction. Can we say that it was God's will for this kid to be born with an addiction and all these problems? No. Could we say that God punished this child for the sin of the mother? No. No. So take that concept and amplify it. Because all of the decisions we make as humanity, regardless of what they are, willingly or unwillingly, knowing or unknowingly, our free will affects the whole world. Period. Okay? So we can affect environment and we can get flash floods. We can get... Um, we, can, we can all invent this wonderful thing called smoking and get lung cancer. Those are our choices. God allows us to do them. Okay? So free will is absolute. So we can't say that God is going to come in and do this and God is going to come in and do this. He's a rich uncle God up in heaven that comes and throws gifts at us randomly um, as though that's what we live for. Because we said our purpose and our goal has nothing to do with this earth. Our purpose and our goal is all about return to unity with God. Period. Right? These are very simple statements that are always true. So we don't sit here. Go for it. Sorry, just to go off that example that you used, mm-hmm. um, how do you answer somebody when they ask why someone has a certain disease that was not affected by their own actions? Yeah. Like, how do you respond to that? Because my free will affects someone else's, right? Because where do diseases come from? They're genetic aberrations, the genetic code, which come from what? Radiation, pollution, disease. They come from us. So whether we like it or not, we're creating these diseases. So that person got it, sucks to be them for sure, right? But it's my fault too, right? It wasn't that person's fault. But it's a fallen world that we live in. But does God blame people for having these diseases? He does not, right? God is looking at with whatever state you are, whatever measure that you were measured out, your gifts and your talents and who you are, that you act as much as you can in his image and likeness. That's all he's asking. Right? He's just saying, try. Just try. And I will come to you. So that's free will. So then we can't blame God for all of these things like ISIS and blah, blah, blah. Nor can we sit there and be like, he is going to do X, Y, Z. But then if it's all about, I can do whatever I want, it's 100% free will, then why do we pray? Because that's a dilemma too. Because whatever I do is going to have a consequence. In general or... Period. If, 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 if praying makes no difference because my free will is not going to be overridden, then how, why, why do I pray for things? Why do I pray for Boko Haram to bring the girls back? Well, I think, I think, I mean, oftentimes what I pray for is personal, is for God to reveal His will to me so that I can bring my will in line with His will. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the actions or the, the, my free will can then be an instrument to Him or to act, ask Him to act in my life and Okay. So, oftentimes I think prayer is allowing us to align our will with God's will. Not to say that you couldn't, let's say, change something by praying for it, because I know the saints can, you know, pray and say, you know, I, you can pray to, for the intercession of Saint Mary to come heal somebody, and then you can have that healing. Which I so can. why does that happen? This is an important concept. It's the last one that's like the two go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And one of you guys said it earlier. You're absolutely right. But there is one aspect. Is it true that no matter what, human will is always just going to prevail? No. no. So we're not comfortable saying that either. So what is this exception? Miracles. Which is what? An exception to... <laughs> you guys said the word earlier. It starts with a G. Grace. Grace. Okay. Grace is the active intervention of God into our world. That's what grace is. It's a gift. It's something that comes from the external to the internal. 
Grace is mysterious, okay? That's something that we really just don't get. And anyone who tries to overly try to analyze God's grace, I would love to see his thesis and I'd love to tear it apart. Because no matter what happens, you can't predict it, right? And many saints have asked God about that and he's told them, right? Keep it to yourself, right? Saint Anthony the Great said, how come, how come, how come? These bad people like died when they were like a hundred and this poor, like awesome kid died when he was four and blah, 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 blah. And God said, Anthony, it's none of your business. Did he say angrily? No, he didn't, okay? Because he didn't have to even bother answering Anthony because he's a boss. Um, but he did. Um, and it was to show that his love is something that we don't understand. Because what is God's will? God's will is the salvation of all. That's what God is concerned about. So you don't need to sit there and cast an altar lot over whether to buy the Accord or the Civic, okay? Because God doesn't care whether you drove the Accord or the Civic. It's not bad that you care to look for God's will in everything. I'm not saying that's wrong. But understand, don't trivialize your God and turn him to rich uncle God because his will is the salvation of all. That's what he's working for. Everything that he does is either for your salvation or for someone else's. That's what he's concerned about, right? It's not about how many square foot you should build your new house. Because if we treat God like that, then it is a trivial religion, right? This is what the whole prosperity gospel is about. But if that's how we treat our God, then it is a very superficial religion. And it is one that really won't stand the test of time. Because God only promised suffering. In this world, you'll have tribulations. Whatever they did to me, they're going to do to you. They called me Beelzebub. They called me the prince of devils. They're going to call you the same. Right? This is what he promised us. He said, but, but, I will be with you in the middle, midst of it. Right? Only take up your cross and follow me. Fear not, for I have overcome the world. Right? Our goal is about here. So if we make our goal on earth, you're going to have problems. Things are going to stop making sense in this whole religious thing. Because it's not about those things. So when we mean God willing, okay, and this is a higher spiritual level, we're looking that everything become grace. That's a high spiritual level is where you see everything as an act of grace, regardless of who did what, okay? But that's a progress, that's a growth. But in reality, God respects human will. If he did not respect human will, he could not hold anybody accountable. Because then how fair would it be that he intervenes for one person's thing and not for this other person's? And how come he did this and this and this and this and this, and he didn't do for all the other people who might have been saved, right? That's why when people say things like, Oh my goodness, they weren't born in the faith because God knew that if they are in the faith, they would have left it. That's wrong. Because why would God punish somebody for not knowing something or punish them for something in advance of them not ever doing it? That's what we're saying. We're saying he was going to do this. God said not even going to bother. That's not a loving God. So we have to pay attention to the things that we're saying and what they mean and make sure that everything comes back to this relationship based on love to try and become the image and likeness of God. This is spiritual life. If we ever walk away from this, we're walking after ourselves. But this is the core of our identity as Christians. And we don't always get what we pray for because we don't always know when God's grace will act or for what reason, as long as we submit the will for the sake of salvation. And that is it. Any questions, comments, criticisms? Absolutely. <laughs> In fact, James tells us we must um, say God willing before we say anything. Just as long as we understand that God willing is an act of grace. Thank you very much. Thank you, Abuna. Thank you. Thank you for coming. <laughs> okay, so um, just announcements. Just to remind you guys, retreat opened up on uh, the 1st, which is Saturday. So please sign up. You can do it online. Um, we're going to have a social day on November 22nd which is a Saturday. It's going to be at Sky Zone. 
which is awesome, and you guys want to come, and you want to jump on trampolines and dunk basketballs and play dodgeball, all right? And um, we've got uh, Thanksgiving service the Wednesday right before Thanksgiving with St. Peter and St. Paul in Santa Monica. We're going to make meals and hand them out. And then the following Saturday, which is the 29th, we are going to uh, the Midnight Mission to do the dinner shift. And... Did I miss anything? And if you guys want to donate blankets, sweaters. Yes. And if you brought socks, put them here. Those will go to the shelter. All right. Um, I, wanted, I wanted to bring something else because a couple, of, uh, a couple of weeks ago I was at the Santa Verena. I don't know if anyone has been to the Santa Verena charity event. One of the projects that they have is that they collect clothes uh, here. And uh, what they do is that they put them in containers and ship them to Egypt and they distribute them on uh, the brothers and sisters of the Lord, the, the poor. And, um, and I think it's something that it's good that we need to also be involved in it too. And, and there is this one person, his name is Kamil, uh, and that's his, 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 you know, his tribe, he, lo he loves doing that. Uh, started out with one container, now I think he's sending four or five containers to Egypt. And not only Egypt, but I mean, uh, different places in Egypt, for Said and different places. And uh, I think that's something that maybe want, want to look into. I, I, have the guy, I have the gentleman's phone number, and all he wants is that, and one of the things that we can do is we can uh, like tell our people, okay, bring your clothes from this time to this time, and then take it. He serves out of St. George. I don't know if anyone have heard, or if, if anyone is moved with that project and wants to coordinate that, at least on behalf of St. Mark or HRC, let me know. And, and I can connect you with that gentleman and you can serve, you know, because that's something we, we there's a lot of abundance of clothes and they can do a lot of things with, and it doesn't, you know, they're not very picky because he takes it and they clean it here. And they sort things and they do all sort of stuff with it. And then he tells you about miracles, about stuff that they get and it's end ups in Egypt and, you know, he'll, he'll, there's a shoe that ended up going to Egypt, one of the shoes, and it was a large shoe, and they didn't know, you know, they, they, they got it, well, part of the big, a lot of stuff. So there was a construction guy that serves over there, and he takes the shoe, and he said he, he doesn't know who to give it to. It's just a very large shoe. So he, was, he had it in his office, and then he left it next to his desk, and one day, one of the engineers come in, and uh, he asks him, you know, what's this shoe? He goes, well, you know, we, we have it and we're waiting to give it out. And at that time, they were collecting for a surgery for a young girl. They needed 2,000 pounds. Okay? And an engineer knew. He says, well, you know what? Just give me the shoe. And, and he wrote him a $2,000 pound uh, check for that girl. He came back and he told him that that shoe, I've been looking for it. I've been... The, the doctor prescribed that shoe. Apparently, it was prescription shoe and he could not he could afford it but could not find it in Egypt and that he tells you a lot of miracles like that so you know what it's it's probably something nice to you know whoever is moved with their heart can let me know and I'll con uh, connect you with Camille okay God bless you okay Teach us, O Lord, how to grow in our love for you and to appreciate the freedom that you've given to us and help us to take that freedom and to use it to love you back, O Lord, to lay down our will for the sake of your higher one. <clears throat> Bless us, guard us, keep us, and help us to be the light and salt of the earth. In your son, we pray to intercession of the Holy Mother, St. Mary, St. Anthony, the Great, and St. Mark. We say with all thanksgiving, our Father, Lord. Amen. Hallowed be thy name. Thank you. 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 Give us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. It is not a temptation, but a mercy of the Lord. Christ Jesus, our Lord, thy is the kingdom, the power of the Lord.